Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is episode 20 of the Arts Academy podcast with Victor Renato and Roxy Hayes. How to shoot a mini documentary with special guest Rachel Teichman. Uh, all right, everybody. Welcome to the class. Uh, this is our this is our podcast called the Arts Academy Podcast, where we teach you things, all kinds of things about the entertainment industry and how to do things in the entertainment industry from A to Z. A standing for how to add your accounting if you're an artist, and Z standing for zebra art how to draw zebra right great i'm dean victor varnado this is deputy head mistress roxy hayes uh we have a very special guest today maura rachel teichman comes that's a mouthful uh so today what we're going to be talking about is how to make a mini documentary i thought this would be an interesting thing uh to do because recently um, I was out working. Uh, uh, recently, some friends of mine did a, uh, a a comedy show in a parking lot, um, and one of the one of the friends is a famous friend. His name is Michael Che, and so recently he did a comedy show in a parking lot, and then I went and shot all the behind the scenes, and in the in the process of finishing a mini documentary about that. As you can see that if you're watching this video, you can see this right now. Uh, but I'm just showing a picture of myself uh, using a phone to film <laughs> Michael Che with pink, hot pink gloves on. And then also he performed in the, the back of a pickup truck in front of a giant crowd that were trying to socially distance. Uh, great. Point is, though, everybody... It was all shot on the phone. It was a mini documentary. So I want to talk about what that process is like from beginning to end. If anybody out there wants to make a mini documentary, this is how you do it. Um, also, I, I will uh, point out that if you want to see a full mini documentary, it's like a five-minute documentary. Um, it's called Pete Eats. Um, if you search for Pete Eats and then put put in my name, which is Victor Varnado, uh, it's going to come up on Google. It's on my YouTube page. And it is a, it's a mini documentary about a friend of mine who went to a local Brooklyn place and tried to enter one of the eating contests and, and, and how that goes from beginning to end. Spoiler, he doesn't finish and he almost throws up. But uh, we tell that whole story. All right. So uh, there are, for me, there are like, four main things that I do for every time that I'm doing, like, especially like a small documentary and I'll talk through them one at a time, but to just put them out there. The number one thing is the backbone really like the story, the through line. I always think about that. Number two is the overview of whatever I'm documenting, whether it is the event or if, if it is an event or if it's a, 
or if it's uh, a story the remembering that I have to have all the parts of the story to tell a story. Uh, then also there are interviews, uh, which I focus on. And then of course, B-roll. Those are the main four things that I always make part of a documentary. Why are you smiling, Rachel? Nothing. What? I don't know what's happening. I right. received a text message. It's fine. Oh, you received a text message? Great. Yeah. Congratulations on your text message. All right. Uh, more of that as this class continues, everybody. All right. So let's talk about what, uh, what I mean by, first of all, the first part, which is the backbone of the overview. Um, now, you don't have to necessarily stick to the overview that you might have for a documentary, and you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to stay with whatever idea you come to the documentary with. But it's always a good idea to have some sort of plan to to think what do you want to what do you want the story to be. So, for instance, when um, Michael Che did this. Uh, show in a parking lot this comedy show and it was during the pandemic the end of the pandemic hopefully uh <laughs> and uh, uh i i decided ahead of time that what i was going to do is i was going to get interviews where people are going to talk about like why why are they doing a comedy show in a parking lot during a pandemic i wanted to tell that story i wanted to I wanted to talk about what their expectations were because they put it together at the very last minute. And I also wanted to talk about like how they felt the show uh, goes. And I also wanted to get highlights of the show. I mean, that in itself is a mini story, meaning that if everything, if nothing surprising happens or nothing else changes, at least I have enough to tell a basic story from beginning to end. Uh, so that's what I went in with. As the whole thing unfolded, of course, I found different things to shoot. But I, but as long as I knew that I had those tent poles that I wanted to shoot uh, footage around, I knew that I could tell a story from beginning to end. That is, I think, the number one most important thing. One way to get that uh, get to that backbone is to have someone just lay it all out in an interview. That way, you'll have You'll know what questions you want to ask somebody. So at one point, I sat down and I asked Michael Che, "Hey, why are you doing this? What uh, what are your expectations?" I just basically went down the list of things that I wanted to know about for the entire documentary, and uh, and I knew then that I just had enough to do that with. Uh, of course, th things happen. For instance, uh, he thought it was going to be a small show. Uh, and as you can see, it did not turn into a small show. There are hundreds of people there. He he literally thought there were going to be like 40 people uh, because it was planned on the day of. But people were so desperate for anything to happen that they just came out in just droves, obviously. So that was definitely something that changed the story. So So I took that in stride and just made that part of my documentary. All right. So that's just one thing. Have a backbone or an overview. Have an idea of what you want the story to be when you're going into it so that at the very least, you can tell that small story. All right. Any questions so far? That was I just a one section. Yeah, go ahead, Rachel. Okay, so when you go into the process of making a documentary yes. and, you, and you ask your questions to the people who you're interviewing, 
what do you do? Like, does it ever happen that you ask your questions and then later on that day or after it's too late, you think of follow-up questions? Absolutely. That happens all the time. Uh, and what you do in that case is you decide how you're going to tell that story. There's a lot of different ways to tell the story. Uh, if you know what the answers are to the questions already, you can tell the story in many different ways. You can do voiceover. You can you can manipulate the footage there so that you can change what people are saying without changing their intent. Uh, and, and in reality television, they change people's intent all the time. However, mm -hmm. in documentaries, even though you may creatively edit something, it's generally frowned upon if you change people's intent. You can make them look like they say something as long as it's something that they would actually say. You, you don't uh, screw up their intent. Or you can also schedule a follow-up interview. It could be a phone call. It could do whatever. There's a lot of different ways to get that follow-up information. But yeah, it happens all the time. And then there's like a million different ways to solve that problem. But me first, I would, I would usually try to get another interview above all else. But then if I couldn't get another interview, then I would do any of those other things. All right. Okay. Let's go on to the second thing that I was talking about. Uh, the the I'm calling it the overview. I don't know what most people call it, but I'm calling it an overview because uh, this was an event uh, that this mini documentary was centered around. Uh, but in some cases, like the story I was talking about, Pete eats. It's not. Well, I mean, it is kind of an event because he's uh, trying to do this eating competition. However, it's it's a very different type of event. Oh, so in, so in this case, uh, what I'm calling the overview is I know that I need to get them setting things up. Okay. I know I need to get uh, them performing, them walking to the stage, them backstage getting ready. I, I think about all the things that are part of the event that one might be curious about. And I make sure that I get footage of all that stuff. You really need to be, especially when you're doing like a one man band. Uh, this was actually a one man band for me because uh, when I found out the event was happening and then the, then we talked and they were like, will you shoot something? Uh, they, it was, I had three, maybe four hours total to get ready. So uh, first of all, I was going to be a one man band. I knew that. Although I did have some extra shooting because I uh, gave, <laughs> gave a, a, a camera to my wife and forced her to shoot. Uh, then, but, um, then also what happened was, uh, I didn't have time to charge up the batteries for real cameras. So I used phones, uh, and it, which worked, the phones worked, but I had to use phones. Uh, so if you're a one man band, it really is a good idea to have a list of things that you know, you want to get and mark off those things as you're moving forward. Because when I'm backstage talking to one person, I know I'm not getting another person on stage performing. So I have to be sure about what I'm getting and make sure I fill up those holes that I need to tell the story. So make a list of those things that you absolutely need to tell your story and make sure you get those shots. That's what you, that's the absolute minimum you need. Now, if you do those two things that we just talked about, have an overview when you're going in, and then get those bits that you need, you actually have enough to make a mini documentary. Plenty. Uh, there's more that you can use to make it a better documentary, but you have enough as long as you follow those two main rules at the top that we're talking about, you're good. Uh, are there any questions 
before I move on to the third point. You guys, it's like I'm teaching a class. I'm Dean Victor Bernardo. Huh. Is that yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm Dean Victor Bernardo. Uh, if you guys are listening to this in audio only, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's go on to interviews. Oh, wait a second. Uh, we actually we'll talk about the. I, there's one more thing I want to talk about is like how to do shots in general, but we'll talk about that when we're talking about B-roll. What kind of shots are we talking about? We're talking about shots uh, to get footage to to uh, color your story. Oh, that's almost as fun. Are you trying to make a, a drinking joke? Yes. How old are you, like seven? <laughs> All right. Uh, next, we're talking about interviews, everybody. I love Rachel. You do? She's hilarious. She's okay. Uh, next, we're talking about interviews. So uh, obviously another part of shooting any documentary is interviews. Uh, just a couple of things. Try to make sure that people are lit well, especially when you're shooting in verite. Uh, remember to like shoot people with their faces toward light if you can, or shoot them in a stylish silhouette if you can't shoot them toward light. Uh, remember to not move your camera around that much to hold it in place. Because remember, you can always cut away to something else if you need to have some sort of variety. Don't try to make the variety in your camera. Uh, there's, let me tell you the reason, because a lot of people say things like, hold your camera still when you're shooting an interview uh, and don't uh, try to move it around too much. Uh, well, I'll, the reason being is because if you move your camera around like a lot when you're doing the interview, what you're doing is you're limiting your choices, meaning that either you have to use this shot with this motion in it because you can't use a, a piece of it, or you are forcing yourself to have to cut away if something doesn't make sense with the motion. You're limiting yourself. There is one time, especially when you're a one-man band, when you can move uh, your interview when someone makes a point. Like if someone is uh, speaking and they finish a paragraph, that's a perfect time for you to take your camera and maybe move it over a couple of feet uh, because then you know that now that that uh, particular subject is covered then it's going to look good if you cut away and when they're talking about a different subject it's a different angle that all looks good generally i keep my camera still but that's a perfect time to move also when people uh i I'll also look for transitions i i always look for transitions for instance like a lot of the interviews that i shot with michael che uh when he was done talking i would let him walk out of frame just because it makes a good visual uh transition uh, so your, your interviews, your interviews, um, if you can get the subject to restate whatever you're stating, unless you want your voice to be part of the documentary, get them to restate your question. If they don't necessarily have to say your exact question, but at least restate the information that you give in your question, which will make your editing process way easier. Uh, for instance, like if I was going to interview, say, Rachel, okay, I'm going to, you'll be the interviewee and I'm going to be the interviewer. And my question is, uh, Rachel, uh, where did you grow up? Rachel would start her question, how? Or start her answer. I grew up in. Exactly. Nice. 
Great work, everybody. We've all learned how to interview people. Go forth and prosper. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I guess that's all I really need to say about interview. Interviewing is not that crazy hard. Uh, also, remember that even if you are an excited person about whatever subject you're talking about, let people finish. Sometimes they get gets awkward because people will want the interview to be more like a conversation, but it's better for you if you let them trail off. And it does feel awkward sometimes, but in your edit, you'll be happy that you have that space if you need it. Um, all right, let's go on to the next one. Are there any more questions about the general interview thing? And as you know, like when we do these uh, podcasts, we're just trying to get the information out as best we can in a short amount of time. Uh, obviously, if you wanted a very in-depth uh, documentary class, there are places where you can find them. But this is basically just going over the nuts and bolts of what you need to know so that if you really, if, if someone called you tomorrow and said, hey, can you make a documentary? I want you to be able to listen to this 30 minutes and know the basics. Uh, so if there are any questions out there, there are not any questions inside here from from Roxy or Rachel. No? All right. Good to go. This, this makes sense visually, but people who are listening to this with audio, like, audio must be like, that crazy? <laughs> but he's got a lot of good information, even though he's nuts. Agreed. All right. Next up, we're talking... B-roll. All right. So B-roll, uh, if you don't know where that term comes from, do you know where the term comes from, you guys? Nope. I was about to ask you. Tell me, Dean. I'll tell you, Rachel. The term comes from how you name the cameras. Usually there's ah. camera A and camera B. And B is usually secondary and the A is usually primary. So B-roll usually means all that stuff that you don't absolutely need to tell the story, but you want. So like if someone's talking about their house, you could just sit on the person in uh, the person's interview about their house the entire time, or you could also sh show a shot of their house, which is B-roll. All right, so- Sounds uh, dangerous. It, it, why? Wow. Showing showing like images of someone's house. It sounds like like stalker material. You, you know, I get that you're trying to be hilarious, Rachel. <laughs> and I and I feel for you. I feel for you. I feel for what's actually happening. I'm so sorry about what's happening. <laughs> you know, I, I need a great ice. class. What? I need I need some ice. Great. All right. So when you're shooting B-roll, there's a couple things you want to keep in mind. And <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some coffee. This oh man. Boots on it, you guys. My wife gave me a coffee cup with boots all over it. I want Rachel back every week. She cannot be here Aww. every week if she can if she wants to. Be. I probably can. I probably could make time for this. You could make time for it. You don't want to derail, derail everything, but you can definitely come back whenever you want. All right. So we were talking about B-roll, everybody. Uh, so when you're shooting B-roll, uh, biggest rule, try to hold shots for about 10 seconds. Okay? Uh, you, you're going to want that when you are 
when you are editing. Uh, it's a good idea to just hold your shots for 10 seconds. A lot of people uh, treat shooting B-roll their first time like they treat their regular attention of a human and as a human you like look at this for like half a second you look at that for half a second and then that's how people usually shoot their b-roll for the first time don't do that hold each shot for 10 seconds because you're going to need it uh when you're editing uh trend you can transition in and out of those shots as well for instance you can hold a shot on something for 10 seconds and then pan away slowly or because then you can or, or or you can pan to something and then hold it for 10 seconds and then also pan away. Those are great things. You may not use all those transitions, but every once in a while, you're going to find something that where it's going to be super useful uh, and you're going to want to have it. And so you will thank me. Trust me. That was the thing I wanted to talk about, about uh, when we were talking about shooting the overview. Like even when you're shooting the nuts and bolts of what you need for this documentary piece, you're going to want to hold each shot for at least 10 seconds. Um, when you're shooting uh, what I was calling the overview or, or parts of parts of the primary story, uh, you're, you also want to think about uh, when a piece finishes, finishes, like every story has a beat and you want to you want to shoot until the beat is done. And what I mean by beats, for instance, is like at one point I shot Michael Che walking on stage and I wanted to shoot the entire beat. So what I did was I shot him when he was in the dressing room and then knowing that he's going to walk out and then get on this uh, truck, I went outside, waited for him outside. So I got a shot of the door as he just came outside, followed him to the truck, shot, followed him to the truck, held the shot for 10 seconds while he was on the truck, truck starting his routine and uh, that was like a complete bit. And then I then I panned away, then I panned away. So now I have this whole shot of him uh, coming out in the truck and starting to perform as like one particular piece because that's a that's a beat. I may not use all of it, but I'm definitely going to be happy that I had it. Did you plan that shot with him? No, I planned like on your it. Own. I I decided no when uh, when we we're talking about the things list of things that I need to tell the story. One of the things I know that I was going to need because it's Michael Che's show is Michael Che's performance. What are his performances? He gets ready backstage. He walks on stage and the crowd erupts with uh, applause. Uh, he performs. Uh, he will probably say his goodbyes and he gets off stage. Like I knew I needed all of those pieces. So I planned what the shot was going to be for those pieces on the fly based on the environment that I was in. Uh, anyway, you guys do the same thing. Plan it, plan it out, and uh, your B-roll is uh, ten seconds for each shot, at least. Please. Uh, other things you can do uh, now that we covered like the main four things that I wanted to talk about for your mini documentary is when I when when I have the opportunity, I also shoot stills. Um, I was using a phone, so I shot a bunch of stills with the phone that I can then put in the uh, final piece. Uh, stills are great because you can use them. You can use them whenever there's a gap, when you have nothing to put up on screen. Throw a still up, do a slow push in, like a Ken Burns documentary, and you're good. Uh, that's that's stills are great for that kind of thing, for just covering any holes when you have them. 
Uh, then I also shot some time-lapse stuff. Uh, time-lapse stuff is great. There's usually time-lapse on every phone right now. Uh, I actually found out that I really re enjoyed shooting this mini documentary with the phones because it had like everything you needed right, right there. And it was really easy to access when you downloaded the right software. Uh, by the way, the software that I shot these with was uh, Filmic Pro, uh, which costs about $14. It's available for iPhone and Android. And what it does is it brings basically um, professional, well, the, the closest they can get to professional manual controls on your camera on your phone, that's what Filmic Pro does. In fact, I could actually show it to you because I have it on my phone right here. Why don't I open this up and show you what it looks like. Filmic Pro, everybody. Boop, 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 doot, boop. We're about to look at Filmic Pro. Here it comes. It's Filmic Pro. Look at this stuff. It has audio meters. If you're, if you're listening to this in the audio format, I'm just singing about how great Filmic Pro is. You should uh, check it out. Uh, I think it's at filmicpro.com. Um, I don't think I, I don't think they have a demo version. Maybe they do. We should check and see if they have a demo version. If they do have a demo version, you should definitely download it and try it out. But it costs $14, and people have made complete feature films on their phones with it, including people like uh, good old Steven Soderbergh. He's done his last, I think, like three films on, a, on phones. Uh, so uh, give it a shot. Uh, anyway, if you have any questions, uh, let me know. Uh, right now is a perfect time to ask, but that was everything I wanted to talk about, about making a mini doc. Ah, there we have it. What, you're holding up your phone? Yeah, I just bought it. Oh, you just bought it? There yeah, you I'm go. Right now. <laughs> you bought I want it. to shoot it's a mini useful. documentary. So yeah, this is very helpful. You can shoot a mini documentary. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's great software for that. Um, Check out Pete Eats, Victor Bernardo Pete Eats, because that is was completely shot on a phone using Filmic Pro, and it works. People actually thought I shot it on something else, but it was shot on just my Samsung phone. But I followed basically all the things I was talking to you about where I shot B-roll to fill in gaps. The only thing I didn't do with that is I didn't shoot. Excuse me, I burped. Sorry. Moving too, I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to do one, Rachel? It was contagious. I'm so okay. sorry. So I, I did everything that I described, except I didn't shoot time lapse and I didn't shoot any stills, but everything else I used. There were interviews, all shot on the phone. And the audio on phones is pretty good because phones have been calibrated specifically to cut out as much background noise as they can. Uh, and another example of that is when you're online and you're using like streaming software, a lot of, a lot of the streaming software like miraculously cuts out background noise pretty good. Like when you're using say zoom, well, that's also built into your phone. And so when you're recording with your phone and shooting interviews, it, they're made to cut out background noise because they want the phone to sound as good as it possibly can for an, like and they want it to be idiot proof. So it's actually not bad for making many documentaries.
Make sure to visit us at artsacademypodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.